aren't you glad he did? Because he does. He loves you. Have I told you lately that I love you? Well, I love you. God's put in my heart a love for his people beyond anything that I could ever do on my own. And it's genuine and it's sincere. And I'm so happy he did. And I love you and I feel your love. And God bless you today. Well, I've got a message I want to bring to you from the Word of God. But first, I have a special announcement. We had announcements before, but I uh, I didn't get to this one. This is an announcement. I got. Oh, look at that. Peyton Caroline Duran. I know what you're thinking. It's a thank you. I know what you're thinking. He's not old enough to be a grandfather. That's what you're thinking. I know. Just admit it. It's all right. I receive it in Jesus' name. But that is a blessing of God. A beautiful child. And there's my daughter and her wonderful husband. And that baby, look at the smiles on their face. We thank God as we prayed every day for that beautiful child to be delivered healthy and whole and restored. Thank you for that. And I just wanted to share that with you today. I didn't want to be, I was going to roll a video, okay? I had a three-minute video, and my wife said, that might be a little bit too much. (laughs) I'm proud, okay? I guess I am. And that one thing, and I guess it's good to be proud of your your children and your grandchildren. And also, by the way, first great-grandchild for Pastor Bill. Right? So... So look, uh, today we're continuing our series, Get Over It. I'm going to say again, look at your neighbor and say, get over it. Get over it. (laughs) And I've said previously, if you lean into these series of messages, and if you'll come and be a part of the small group for the month month of March, if you'll do it, you'll find a way to get over it. And you'll find healing. There'll be healing. There will be things that will happen that will change your life. I believe that. And I also want to credit today for inspiration to me. He is, he is really, God has brought me in this area of understanding and, and growth of understanding, even more so in the last few weeks as I've been studying this than, than even before, even though I've been through the small group Babe of Satan series. I, I've preached about it. I know it. But man, has he just grown me in this area. He's always able to do that, folks. And he can do it for you. And so listen to what I have to say. But I do want to credit John Bevere, uh, who, who, who wrote the book, The Bait of Satan. He's done the, the, uh, the teaching on it. And he's really had a different take and, and a very insightful way of, of looking at these things and how, what he has brought to this topic. So I do want to just credit him today for that. It's inspired me, I'll tell you. It's, it's inspired me because of what God can do to change the future of your life when you get this under control. So I'm going to preach this today because what I'm going to preach today might be a little bit offensive. We're preaching about offense, so I thought maybe I would preach some things that would be offensive. Do you know that Jesus preached and he offended people all the time? Certainly not comparing myself to that, but that's what, that's what the truth of the gospel is sometimes. But if it's truth, it needs to be preached. No matter what. That's what we're going to do today. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3 with me. If you have your Bibles or your devices, or we'll put it up on the screen as well. This message today is, is it really that bad? Is it really that bad? A 
Colossians 3, chapter, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must, say must, must forgive. It's important to understand that when this was all being taught, that people weren't seeking out Jesus for a good restaurant to go to. What I mean by saying that is, Jesus is not saying the things that he's going to say through his word today in making a recommendation. Okay? This is a command. Say that. Command. This is a command. This is not anything to be uh, to be papered over. And it's a necessary and important command to forgive for many reasons. And now when speaking of forgiveness, I've had this happen so many times, and honestly, I'm sure many of you have, and and, and it happened to me this week. And it was like, Pastor, I could forgive. I would forgive. But you don't know what they did to me. You ever heard that? Have you ever said that? It's okay if you have. I think I have. Oh, I, I, I know I need to forgive and I'll forgive. But, but you don't know what happened. You don't know all the details. You don't know all the full context. You don't know the circumstances. And this is what I think about that. I am glad that Jesus did not have that point of view with me. Oh, I'd forgive you, Billy. But you know that stuff you did when you were out there living in the world and addicted to drugs and doing all the bad things you were doing and not living for me? I'd like to forgive you, but you just don't know the whole story about what happened. I'm glad he didn't do that. Are you? That's not his point of view. His point of view is completely different than that. And I think that sometimes as Christ followers, people that are trying to follow Christ, we don't forgive. Let me put it this way. People who are trying to follow Christ, who, who don't forgive, I think must have conveniently forgotten that which they have been forgiven. Don't ever forget that. And I think sometimes we don't. I know I do. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to be most of the time here. Chapter 18 in Matthew. We're going to start in verse 21. And it says this, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? Just forgiving him. Let it go. Say, let it go. Let those words, let it go, man. There's a song. I know. I was going to sing it. <laughs> I heard you. So what is that, up to seven times? I think when Peter asked this question, he was thinking uh, that he was feeling a little noble. He was thinking, man, you know, seven times. That's what I'm saying. You know, the disciples in the Gospels, if you look at it, they were talking many times about, you know, sort of who's the first, who's the greatest. Who's going to, you know, be sort of in charge or a little power struggle, whatever it might have been. There was a little bit of bickering that the scripture indicates. I'm sure there was more than even what was recorded. And as they were trying to find that out, I think 
show me if you know Peter. And and I think he might have thought that because he walked on the water already. By the time this, this story is, he had already walked on the water. And uh, I think Jesus had also by this time praised him for recognizing him as the Christ. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who art in heaven. See, he had praised Peter. So Peter might be feeling, you know, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the top of the heap with these guys. So I think he thinks his answer is pretty good. Seven times. I'm, I'm saying, how many times should I forgive? Seven times. Now remember, Peter grew up under the law. That eye for an eye mentality, right? I mean, it, it, forgiveness was not something that was really a part of their, uh, of their daily lives. And uh, amongst one another. And so I think seven times to him sounded pretty good. And I, I think that uh, if you look at uh, Matthew 18, where Jesus is teaching all about forgiveness, Peter decided that he was going to be bold and he was going to go big or go home. Go big or go home. So seven times. That's really stepping up, right, teacher? I mean, I can just see him doing that. It's seven times, right? Give me another little pat on the back. Matthew 18, 22 says this is what Jesus answered to Peter. I say to you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. And Luke writes in his gospel account that it was for a day. 70 times seven for a day. So I did the, the math on this real quick. If you figure that you sleep about eight hours a day, right, and you got 490 times that you're supposed to do this. You have to be offended or wronged every two minutes. <laughs> and then forgive. And then at the end of the day, you got to start all over again. Now, of course, Jesus is not teaching this in a literal instruction here. Obviously, that's true. But what Jesus is saying is simply this. And as he always does, I believe, he speaks such profound truth, but yet in such simple terms that you can understand and that you can really grasp. And he said this. He, and, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but I mean, I believe what he's saying is this, that when we are wronged in any way, all of us, we're wronged in any way, big or small, we're offended in any way, big or small. He's saying this, our forgiveness towards others is to be never-ending, continuous, and complete. And by complete, I mean releasing it. Letting it go. Putting it in the past. That's what God the Father does for our sins. He is never ending in His forgiveness. It's continuous. He's always forgiving us. And it's complete as far as the east is from the west. He has removed our transgressions. Praise God. So we need to do that. That's what Jesus essentially is saying. And just as God the Father's forgiveness is towards us, never ending, continuous, complete. And to make sure everybody understood that, Jesus laid a parable on them. And here it goes in Matthew 18, again, chapter uh, 18, verse 23 here. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, settle one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. How many know what, how much 10,000 talents is? All right, well, I'm going to tell you how to look it up. And it's a lot. In the day of, in today's economy in U.S. dollars, there are different accounts, different people that have commented on this and studied it. So when you go and research it, there's a variety of things. So I sort of tried to take the conservative one. But some people would say that 10,000 talents, which is a measure really of weight, 
it would be, if it's in silver, it would be, in today's dollars, 10,000 pounds would be $220 million. Is that a lot? That's a lot. If it were in gold, it would be into the billions of dollars. Some equate uh, that into wages, too, by the way. And, 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 and most people have said that one talent, not 10,000, one talent would be the equivalent of like 15 or 20 years of wages. So you can imagine if there's 10,000 talents, that's 150,000 years of wages. Let's put it this way. I think you get the point. Not about what the amount is. The debt that the man had was impossible to pay back. It was not something he was able to pay back. And in this parable, I think Jesus is drawing a parallel between the king that is in that, in that story and God the Father. And let's look on as Matthew uh, 18 uh, continues here in verse 25. It says, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, a payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him. He's begging him. On his knees, he's begging. Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity... Many translations say compassion there. Out of compassion for him, the master of the servant released him. Say released. Released him and forgave the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now look at the contrast. Look at this. Now this servant goes out and finds a guy that owes him 100 denarii. Now 100 denarii is not anything to sneeze at. One denarii is what would be considered a day's wage. So that's about 100 days' wage. So if you look at it in the economy of today, um, we work about 262 days a year if you work five days a week and have weekends off, just as an example. Everybody has different schedules. But, so you have uh, 262 work days a year, let's say. And if you figure that based on the average median income of what today is uh, for, for uh, average households, that amount of 100 denarii would, would equivalent out to about $24,000. Now, let me just ask you this. Is that a minor transgression? Is that like a little thing? Let me put it this way. If somebody owed you 24 grand, would it be a big thing or a little thing? No, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, would it be a big thing or a little thing? If somebody owes me 24 grand, it's a big thing. I want my money. <laughs> you know? And I'm not ashamed to say it. I mean, that's, that, it, it is a big thing. But it, 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 when you compare the difference between 24,000 and the hundreds of millions, or even possibly billions, whatever it is. Well, let's, again, what we're trying to illustrate, and I think what Jesus is illustrating here is that there is no comparison. There's no comparison between the two. And the bigger point is, and the more important point is this, is not what the dollars and how all that works out. But just to give you an example of it is what we were trying to do there. But even an extremely egregious wrong that has been done to us, whatever it might be, does not slightly, even slightly compare to the wrong and the sin that God has forgiven us for. There is no comparison. I believe that's one of the things Jesus is trying to illustrate here. So again, remember, some as Christ followers, maybe some of you, maybe me, some of us who are trying to follow Christ, who don't forgive, must have conveniently forgotten 
that for which they have been forgiven. Is that you? You don't have to raise your hand. Is that sometimes to me? Do we think that way? I think I do. And sometimes, too, we underestimate it and we say, well, is it really that bad? Is it really that bad, me having this issue with this person? Look, I want to just say this, and I'm going to say this very clear today. It's going to come a few more times. We cannot underestimate the sin of unforgiveness in our life. I'm going to say that again because I only got one amen. We cannot underestimate the sin of unforgiveness in our life. Because unforgiveness is sin. Yes, it's sin. And sometimes I think we tend to classify sins. I've talked about this for years with people. We tend to classify, I think, especially when it comes to people judging other people for one thing or another. Well, look at them. They're doing that. But yet, you're, you know, you're, you're doing things too. But people don't consider it the same. They try to rank sin. You can't rank sin, folks. Can't do it. It's not, there's not a ranking system where it comes into play that way. But if you did, and many people do, even if they do it subconsciously, in that top group you're going to find the obvious ones. Murder. Stealing. Um, adultery. You know, you could throw a few others in there, whatever they are. But the top group, you're always going to know what they are. But then you'll say, well, yeah, oh, no, that's sin. Those are, those are sins for sure. But then there's another list. You know what you call those? Weaknesses. <laughs> or character flaws, is what I like to say. Well, that's something I'm working on. And that list contains a lot of things sometimes like gossip. Like gossip. In case you didn't hear me, like gossip. Not just in the church, anywhere. Jealousy. Envy. And yes, I think finds its way on that list, unforgiveness. In Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon wrote six things that the Lord hates and seven is an abomination. Sowing discord. That's an abomination to God. You know what sowing discord is? Gossip. Gossip is sowing discord, by the way. That's, they're basically synonymous. And I'm not going to go into this right now to preach a whole series of messages on gossip. But you know it when you say it, when you see it. You know it when you hear it. And if you are one of those people that say, well, I need to be able to talk about this so I can know how to pray for them. Turn and run away. Because God does not need your gossip to engage people in prayer to help people that are in need. So, I think that sometimes makes it to that second tier. But unforgiveness is not a character flaw or a weak spot. It is sin. And I'm here to declare it to you today because it's so important for us to know this. And I hope one of the things we learn in this series is that we don't need to be ranking sin. We don't need to be trying to put it in categories or pigeonholes. And listen, I'm going to say this too, but for the grace of God, make sure you hear that part, this first sentence, what I'm about to say. But for the grace of God, and if we have accepted that grace and accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we would all, every one of us, excluding none in this room, be in hell at the point of our death. Well, yeah, you can applaud for that because it's true. That's not me. That's the scripture. I'm not trying to lay it. Look, I'm telling you what's true today. That's where we will be if we don't accept the grace of God through the Savior. 
That's it. It's not, it's not uh, ambiguous. And don't get too proud and think, well, you know, but I'm a good person. I do a lot of good things. I'm a nice person. I don't hurt anybody. I don't steal from anybody. I don't, get, don't get caught up in that. Don't let the devil lie to you about that. That's not where salvation is found in being a good person or in good works. Scripture's clear about that, too. And I'm not going to get into this today. I thought I would, but I, I just want to say this. Being a good person does not get you into heaven, and it does not spare you from hell. I know that might be something that some people get a little uncomfortable. I'm sort of uncomfortable saying it, but sometimes it's necessary for us to be uncomfortable with the truth because it challenges us to change our lives. It challenges me to change mine. It's not about scaring people. It's about truth-telling. But I believe that's what it is. And so there's a, there's a, a book that was written, and this uh, Cheryl Cross, Dr. Cross, actually brought this to the, uh, to the, uh, to the Silver Saints uh, message last a uh, couple of weeks ago. And it's based on a book called 23 Minutes in Hell. I'm not, I was going to read a passage about it. I don't have time. I'm not going to today. Go to the website and look at it. And the guy says this. You can believe my story or not. Bill Weiss, the guy that, that wrote this. You can believe my story or not. But I hope, if nothing else, that it gets your attention to go and look for yourself to understand the reality of hell. Becky's teaching about this in our focus group right now. Not only that, the glory of heaven, but the reality of hell. That's such a good title because it's real, folks. What we're talking about here matters. It's real, okay? So remember when he left after King had forgiven the debt of the servant, the servant refused to forgive a lesser debt of his fellow servant, Matthew 18, verse 31. When his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved, and they went and reported to their master with clarity and in detail everything that had taken place. Then his master called him and said to him, You wicked and contemptible slave, I forgave all that great debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave who owed you little by comparison as I had mercy on you? Listen to this. And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers or the jailers. Did you know that in that day, prisons weren't like they are today? You didn't get three square meals a day, an hour of exercise, and cable TV. Those prisons were serious, man. And the jailers weren't people that minded the jail and took attendance and made sure that you were okay, made sure the cell doors were locked. The jailers were torturers, usually. That's what they were. It was sort of a synonymous thing. And so... He turned him over to the torturers until he paid all that he owed. And this is it right here. Jesus is speaking, not Pastor Billy. I'm reading the words of Jesus. My heavenly Father will also do the same to every one of you if each of you does not forgive his brother or sister from your heart. God knows your heart. I may not, your husband may not, your wife may not, your friends may not, don't know. But I know who does. God knows your heart. You can't hide it. You can't say, oh yeah, I've forgiven that, I've moved on. But in your heart, you haven't. If that's the case, this verse is something that, again, I cannot adequately in my words express the gravity and the urgency of what I'm trying to share with you today and what we just read. It's just like we read at the beginning. At the beginning of the message, I read from Colossians 3, and it says this. 
As the Lord has forgiven you, you also, you also must forgive. Can't express how important. I'm going to read this verse again because I think it is this important. Back to verse 34 in Matthew 18. And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers until he paid what he owed. Now listen, my heavenly father will also do the same to every one of you if each of you, he's leaving no one out. No one's excluded from this. If each of you does not forgive his brother or sister from your heart. So is it really that bad? Yeah. Unforgiveness is really that bad. You can't rank sin. Unforgiveness is sin. It can be a small thing. It can be a large thing. Don't get confused about that either. Small little offenses that you hold on to, that's unforgiveness. Small little things, well, yeah, that's not a really big thing, and it doesn't bother me that much. Well, you know in your heart if it does. You know in your heart if you've forgiven it. And you know in your heart if you're moving on past it. So, notwithstanding the salvation experience, let me make that clear. Notwithstanding the salvation experience, I want to ask everybody this question. Will murderers inherit the kingdom of God? Will, I'm sorry. Will murderers inherit the kingdom of God? I'm sorry. I said notwithstanding. I meant unless there is repentance. Maybe I should have said that a little clearer. Unless there is a repentance, a salvation, will murderers inherit the kingdom of God? Now I'm with you. I'm sorry for the confusion. Let me ask this question. Will rapists inherit the kingdom of God? Short of being said. That's right. Say it out loud. Will adulterers inherit the kingdom of God? Will people who have unforgiveness in their heart inherit the kingdom of God? Thank you. That means you give me this. The scripture says, do not be deceived. And they list a lot of different things. Do not be deceived. There are people out there who in that, those things that they think may not matter, they're harboring in their heart. And did you know that there is more scriptures about harboring unforgiveness in your heart than there is about killing someone or murdering and then not being able to enter the kingdom of God? Let me show you why. Mark chapter 11. Go through this real quick. And as I do this praise team, if you can come up. Mark chapter 11 is as Jesus is teaching about faith and prayer using the uh, example of the withered fig tree. Earlier he had come by and cursed the tree. And when they came back and saw it, they said, Master, look at that. That tree's withered and died. And then he used that as an opportunity to teach about faith and prayer. You can look at that in Mark chapter 11. This is verse 25. Listen to this, what Jesus is teaching. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone... Say anything. Say anyone. That's everything, folks. Anything against anyone. And I would even add in there, for whatever reason. Forgive him. Drop the issue. Let it go. So that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. Here it is. Now, this is a whole other place in the Scripture. Not what I read to you a moment ago. This is a whole other place here. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. Is this clear enough? 
Jesus was speaking and could not have been clearer. And he is emphasizing this, by the way, to those who believe. He's speaking, well, I just read there to the disciples. He's speaking in the sense that he says, whenever you stand praying. Well, let me tell you something, folks. I don't know if you've met anybody that do. I've never met any sinners that stand and pray. He's speaking to us, the believers. And he's also talking about your Father who is in heaven. Well, look, God the Father is God the Father to the believers. He's just God to the sinners. See, he's our Father if we believe. Okay? And so he's speaking to us, not just them and in 2,000 years ago. This is speaking to us today as believers. And he's, he's emphasizing it. Verse 26, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trans, transgressions. Transgressions is sin. Now, this occurred towards the end of Jesus' ministry, what I just read you. Let's go to the early part, right after the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. Here's chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. If, this is Jesus speaking, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not, say will not, will not forgive your sins. Is this important? Is what we're talking about important? Those two verses I just read are the first two verses after what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer talks about forgiveness as one of the the areas that Jesus is teaching us to pray about how we are to forgive. But that wasn't enough. Right after the Lord's Prayer, he comes right back with two verses and made sure it was leaned into and clear for everybody.
Just for a moment. 